Dave Holden. Sorry, Dave Devinish. Now you can imagine how nervous I am to introduce him. <laughs> right. Uh, before I introduce uh, Dave, all those who are watching us on live stream, I'm told that there are more than 2,000 people watching us on live stream. I want to extend a very warm welcome to each one of you. God bless you. I hope you enjoy this program, this all that what happens here. And those who extended your, you know, your contribution, your giving generously towards us, God bless you. So, a few years ago, when Dave Devinish, when he came to India, I had the privilege of introducing him. And I must say that uh, it went very well. <laughs> I think the first five, after I introduced Dave, the first five minutes into his preaching, he was, was trying to respond to my introduction. <laughs> Right. On a serious note, Dave and Sila have been serving New Frontiers for a few decades. Like Guy mentioned earlier on the first day, Dave is an unsung hero in our midst. Probably the most traveled person in our midst. Now, it's not just only about traveling. I think there are many people who do travel, but I think Dave traveled to different places, even those difficult places, and established churches. Dave is, in the past, of course, he was, you know, his um, teachings on demolishing the strongholds, but in recent times, not only demolishing the strongholds, but also laying apostolic foundation for churches has been very valuable. And he's very well respected, not only in, in the New Frontiers family of churches, but also outside the family. We want to say to you, Dave, you're an outstanding gift to the body of Christ. We thank God for you. Whatever you bring, is not just a teaching, I believe it is a prophetic voice for the body of Christ. So, shall we just receive Dave? Thank you very much for your welcome and introduction, even though I know you weren't quite sure who was going to turn up on the stage at this particular point. <laughs> uh, but it's uh, really a pleasure to have been with you for these few days, and great to have this opportunity of sharing with you, and welcome as well to all those listening through the live link at the moment and who will be seeing it on TV. Welcome to this time. And as Toffee said last night, for those of us who are guests here, it is just amazing to sense the atmosphere of love and service. Thank you all the churches that have given us meals. And I tell you, the people that I'm always so impressed by, because just like Toppy said, come in every day and uh, perhaps go out a bit. And those people right up on the gate over there, how they are there, standing there all day, welcoming us. They're there when we go home at night, even if we've let left quite late. It's amazing, the spirit of servanthood. And that reflects our Lord Jesus. And I remember one of our, the festivals that we run in the, network, in the network of churches that I used to lead, we had a whole load of Russian guests and uh, I was in Russia shortly afterwards, after the festival, and I asked lots of different ones, what impressed you? 
I was expecting, you know, the worship or from one or two, possibly the preaching. But <laughs> each one started by saying what impressed us was the cheerful servant-heartedness of everybody who was serving there. Okay. It was well run, but well run with a smile and with a real intent to serve. And that's exactly what I believe God has put in right across our family of churches, across all the different spheres. That is one of the core values, I believe, that God has given us. So great to be with you. It's also been interesting how much our preaching is overlapping. I've preached on seeds in the main seminar the other morning. Guy spoke on seeds. I'm speaking on seeds. Well, it's hardly surprising because that was Jesus' favorite story to illustrate the kingdom of God. So, of course, that's what we're doing. And I believe, you know, sometimes when you hear a preacher say half the things that you were intending to say, there's two reactions you can have. The first reaction is, oh dear, I'd better come up with something original. <laughs> the second reaction is twofold. On the one hand, they'll only remember half of what he said anyway. <laughs> but prophetically, it is God underlining. You know, when, I've got a, when I'm reading a good book, I thought, don't do it in my Bible. I've never felt comfortable with that. I know lots of you do. But whenever I'm reading a good book that's really helping me, I underline and I, and, and I believe that's what God is going to do through this message uh, this morning, is to underline what God has already been saying to us all the time. And that's how the prophetic works. Prophetic works by God, by you get one word, then you often get another word, which may be slightly different, but underlines the word that has already been given. And even that word about doubling, I just felt, Vinu, for you particularly, this is a time to double your targets. I know you think of it in those ways, of what your plans are. God would say to you, double your targets, okay? very particularly for what God wants to do you, with you in India. Because there's a, there comes a point in, in growth of church planting where you move from being a movement that plant churches to a church planting movement. Amen. That's an important change. When, a church, when you're a church planting movement, it just happens spontaneously. I was with my dear friend, our dear friend, Edward Burrier in Kenya a couple of years ago. And uh, it was great. I was speaking at their leaders conference and people introduced themselves to Edward who had planted churches that he'd never heard were being planted. That's when it becomes a church planting movement. Okay? And I believe God has that future for you guys in India. Okay. Let's read the word of God together. Then Jesus added, we're reading from Mark 4, 24 to 34. Then Jesus added, pay close attention to what you hear. It's always a good scripture to start your preaching from. <laughs> play, play, pay close attention to what you hear. The closer you listen, the more understanding you will be given. Or literally, the measure you give will be the measure you get back. But I like the way the New Living Translation, which I often use, puts that. And you will receive even more. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. Jesus also said, the kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, while he's asleep or awake, the seed sprouts and grows. 
but he does not understand how it happens. The earth produces the crops on its own. First, a leaf blade pushes through. Then the heads of wheat are formed, and finally the grain ripens. And as soon as the grain is ready, the farmer comes and harvests it with a sickle, for the harvest time <coughs> has come. Jesus said, how can I describe the kingdom of God? What a wonderful question. Jesus asked himself, how can I describe the kingdom of God? What story should I use to illustrate it? It's like a mustard seed planted in the ground. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of all garden plants. It grows along branches, and birds can make nests in its shade. Jesus used many similar stories and illustrations to teach the people as much as they could understand. In fact, in his public ministry, he never taught without using parables. But afterward, when he was alone with his disciples, he explained everything to them. In the day in which we live, God, one of the things that God is restoring to his church is the power of stories. You know, Jesus told so many stories or parables, stories with a meaning for life, especially in his teaching regarding the kingdom. Instead, indeed, it says in the scripture we've read, in his public ministry, he never taught without using parables. The word parable in the Gospels will refer either to a story with a meaning or an easily remembered saying. Sometimes it's used for something like a proverb. In fact, the word uh, in many languages is the same for parable and proverb. And they're things that can easily be remembered and God uses them to teach us that way. I mean, you've experienced it this, these last few days. Yeah. Toppy brought amazing truth, but then he brought stories which so illustrated. The truth doesn't come out of our present-day stories, but our present-day stories are wonderful vehicles for illustrating the truth of God's word. And what he did, what he spoke, when he spoke about his own rejection as a child, remember? Amazing. And God, I could, I could just sense the Spirit of God was moving all around the place at that time. And many people who suffered from what I find is the biggest pastoral problem that I, uh, in pastoral ministry, have to deal with, the power of rejection in people's lives. And God was setting people free. There's another story about that amazing Albanian lady and the miracles. And we just saw the heart of God for someone coming to this nation as a refugee, probably. And what God does. And in fact, stories encourage faith and help deliver truth in a more easily remembered form. In fact, when God gave us this book, or what became this book, it wasn't set out as a sort of compendium of systematic theology. I believe in systematic theology, don't misunderstand me. But he gave us amazing story with, it is estimated, someone worked it out, I don't know how they counted it, 550 individual narratives. It's a storybook. And a storybook with an ending that God has given us already. And it's, a, and it's even more than a storybook because it tells, uh, in the end, we all have a role to play. It's like a, an amazing drama which we all can join in. So, as I travel, and I usually start my preaching with a story from somewhere else in the world. 
because I like to connect people across the world. And so, you never know, I might be in some obscure place and they hear about West Point. Okay. <laughs> but um, I, it's a story. Do you like one? <laughs> okay. As I mentioned the other day, I work in a number of places where we're encouraging the persecuted church. And there's a brother we work with. And he was regularly traveling to a particular village to preach the gospel. And it's in a country where that's oppressed. And his wife said to him the morning, he was going again, his wife said to him that morning, God woke me up this morning and said, whenever you go to that village, I must come with you. He couldn't understand that, he'd been many times on his own. But he said, oh well, if God said that to you, you better come with me, because we're going today. So they went together. Sometime, I think it's probably even two or three years later, someone came to him and confessed he was a sniper hired to shoot this brother as he arrived at that village. And he said, because your wife was with you, I didn't want to shoot her, and I didn't want her to see me shoot you. And so I deliberately missed the name in a different direction. Is that how do you feel? <laughs> oh, that's a bit outside our experience. <laughs> if there's ever a time to listen to your wife. <laughs> These are things God's doing. So I tell a story that God is doing around the world. I then teach from a Bible story, or if I'm teaching from the epistles, I teach from the story that lies behind those epistles. Because as someone wrote a book called Paul's Narrative Thought World, it's all based on a big story that Paul had taught the people. And Jesus underlines his story. And then I show how that story fits into God's overall story in the whole Bible so that people understand the overall plan of God. That's what I like to do. I did that the other day. And Jesus underlines his storytelling by saying, how are you listening? Pay close attention to what you hear. The closer you listen, the more understanding you'll be given. Or literally, in whatever measure you measure, it will be measured to you and will be added to you. That's the way God works. Sometimes, you know, when we sow, we reap. But actually, with God, there's much more reaping than we've actually sown. Because that's the way God works. And so these stories are not just nice stories, but they have power to change your outlook on life, to live the life of faith, and to keep you from misunderstanding how the kingdom of God is working. So listen carefully. I'm going to focus, although I'm going to refer to other stories, I'm going to focus to two stories. The one, the parable of the seed that grows by itself. Actually, I was in a leaders meeting in a particular context and a prophecy came from that particular story in terms of how God was going to work amongst us. And when I preach, I always preach from the Bible, but sometimes what I preach is informed by prophetic words. And so there's a prophetic word that this is important for us, that the, this, as you will see, the seed that grows by itself and the second parable about the mustard seed because it recognizes that what we contribute may feel 
very small, but God brings about amazing, mighty results. Jesus said the kingdom is like that. And so the parable of the growing seed, and in it I'll refer to a couple of other parables as well. Jesus is saying, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man sows seed in the ground. That is not what the people around were expecting him to say when he described the kingdom of God. This was said to a people whose unanimous understanding of the kingdom of God was that a conquering Messiah would come who would overthrow all their enemies, including at that time the occupying Romans, and establishing Israel and Zion to be top nation and rule the world. That was their understanding, insofar as they had one at all. That was their understanding. So when Jesus taught these parables, he was undermining all their understanding of how God would work. And it would have come as a shock to them. What does he mean? The, the kingdom of God is like a man sowing seed. What? You see, as they'd watched and listen to Jesus, he fulfilled some of their expectations. Miracles of healing and deliverance, that, that fitted. Teaching with authority, nobody spoke like him. Yet, seemingly not interested in a political or military conquest. Rather, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. So to them, Jesus is saying, to understand the kingdom of God, you must see it like a seed. And Jesus loved telling stories about seeds. And yet they all started the same way, but had a different meaning. So, he told the parable of the sower, which we're probably more familiar with. The seed is the word of God. And the question raised there is, what sort of ground are we? How do we receive the Word of God? It also teaches us to measure success differently. Not by instant results, but by long-term fruitfulness. That's very important in today's Western society. Okay. Because some of the, the seed that fell on shallow ground sprang up immediately and then when trouble came it all faded away and you cannot repeal the parable of the sower the kingdom is always like this have you ever found it so? People who you evangelize. And the, the early enthusiasts often don't last. Have you ever found that? Come on. Even though it's a big hall, you can talk to me. Okay. Have you ever found that? Early enthusiasts don't always last. Jesus said. That's what it's going to be like. So that makes us realistic because the kingdom of God has not yet come in all its fullness. But Jesus also says, some will produce 30, some 60, some 100-fold. Even the 30-fold was an amazing miracle of production for the agricultural methods of that day. And a hundredfold was superb. So Jesus is saying, be optimistic and full of faith. Be realistic. Not everything works out. Be optimistic and full of faith because what you do will bear amazing fruitfulness. And I believe God wants to speak that to you. Then the parable of the seed and the weeds, which I shared on, on Friday morning. There, the people sown are you. Sons and daughters of the kingdom sown into this world. And what I said, and I want to underline it, for those of who weren't there, in, who were in different seminars, 
then what God is saying is, you are people of the kingdom sown not into the church, but into the world. That's what it says. The field is the world. And you are people of God sown into the world. And there is a growth of evil in the world as well. Both grow along together. So Jesus used a different story for that one. But still a seed. But why seeds? Because here are two more stories about seeds, but with a totally different meaning. Not just because it was relevant to an agricultural community, but because seeds are small and have life that mysteriously produces a mighty harvest. So this first story, it says, a man casts seeds on the ground and then ordinary life just goes on. Just puts the seed out there. Then life happens. He goes to sleep. He gets up again. And it almost seems from the story that he said it has nothing more to do with the seed. He's just sown it. Yet, it sprouts and grows, and the farmer doesn't even understand how. The earth just seems to produce crops on its own. First a little shoot, a leaf blade pushes through, then heads, heads of wheat are formed, finally the grain becomes ripe, and... Now this, I'm sure, is unfair on all farmers who work hard all the time, but the way this is presented by Jesus here is, you just put the seed in, and then don't do anything else until harvest. And then you get in, out the sickle and bring it in. That's how he presents it. How on earth is the kingdom of God like that, a man sows seed. A more banal comparison could not be imagined. Why not the picture of a gladiatorial conquest, contest? Or at least a David and Goliath, or marching around the walls of Jericho. Come on, not a sowing a seed. Let's have something exciting. Or a higher lofty mountain dominating the landscape. The paradox of the gospel the mystery of the incarnation, Jesus coming as a human being, God enters commonplace, ordinary life. Get it? God just enters ordinary, commonplace life. This is not teaching about how high and lofty God is, though true, and we worship him for it, but how present he is in everyday life. Seed is not spectacular. It's not admired. It doesn't draw attention to its celebrity status, the curse of our age, even in the church. But planting and harvesting is the plan of God. As the farmer sleeps, another process is at work. The life of God is growing. We don't even know how. It, the soil brings it forth all by itself. The Greek word there is the word from which we get our word automatic. It automatically happens. Wow. Look at this. Like the patient farmer, Jesus is supremely confident about the coming kingdom though beset by opposition from religious leaders and misunderstanding from followers, Jesus is not disheartened, distraught, or desperate. Nor should there be anxiety among his disciples. The faith that Jesus requires of disciples is to sleep and rise in humble confidence that God has invaded this troubled world, not with a crusade, but with a seed. An imperceptible fifth column that will grow into a fruitful harvest. Got it? Jesus is not desperate about it. So let us not be disheartened, distraught, or desperate. Okay? When God speaks to us, sometimes if we're church leaders, we can get, well, is it going to happen? Desperate? And then you know, God's promised, 
a tremendous growth in your church, and the next week, it just so happens that nearly everybody has taken the weekend off together. You know, and it wasn't even a bank holiday. Do you ever, you know, you had times like that? And you think, what? But we don't look like that, things like that. We're not disheartened. We believe that God plants seeds when he speaks that will produce amazing fruit. And as you go to work after West Point, as you go to your ordinary job, you just sow a seed. So well, I, didn't, I couldn't even share the whole gospel, don't worry. You often can't. It's often inappropriate. You know, Jesus isn't sharing the whole gospel here. Just a seed. Just make a, a remark which shows the different value system by which you live. You show kindness to someone who everybody else is against. You sow a seed of the kingdom that produces fruit. <clears throat> Acts of kingdom righteousness. You're honest about something. I remember once, well, I was in a, one of my, when I, you know, because I did a proper job for a long time. And uh, I remember once, I, I'd been told by one of my colleague, colleagues that a particular purchase on one of my overseas travels was covered by expenses under the bank's rules for expenses. Then when I, so I did, I claimed it. Then when I got back a few months, a few weeks later, I discovered that that particular item was not covered by expenses and I should have paid for it out of my own pocket. I remember going back to my boss and handing in this amount of money that I'd wrongly but ignorantly claimed as expenses. I mean, he didn't know what to do. I mean, the, and the whole accounting system didn't account for that. You know, there was no line in the ledger to put it under. What was I doing? I was sowing the kingdom of God. You see? It's a practical. You can also seeds speaking truth, telling your stories. Can I just say now, in post-Christendom Britain, it's much more effective to tell your stories than come straight in with a formal gospel presentation. That comes later, but you come in telling your stories. What, what did you do over the weekend? Well, I went to this campsite. Yeah? What did you do there? Well, I'll just tell a few stories. Something happened to you. If you got healed, that's a good one. Just tell them. And demonstrate Jesus. Love the unlovely. Witness to Christ, even though you lose popularity, you can be confident that the seed you have planted will grow. Over the years, even as I've been speaking on occasions like this, because that's been my life more recently, loads of seeds. And I didn't, I didn't expect them. I remember once, well, I've forgotten about it actually, but I was reminded, I was preaching on an occasion like this, but in a place in the centre of England that in the olden days, New Frontiers used to go to. And, uh, you know, there's a few people around that remember it. And... Uh, <laughs> I just stopped, well, I didn't stop really, just in the flow of preaching, I pre prophesied over a particular church that they would have massive impact through their social action, and I just got carried on with the preaching. I preached in that church again a year or so ago, and they told me, well, I was introduced. This is David Devonish. I remembered my name. And uh, <laughs> the... <laughs> And he brought, he brought a prophetic word to us about us 
majoring on social action. And that church won the Queen's Award for social action. You understand? What was happening? Just sowed a seed. And then I went to sleep. I never, I know, you know, I never followed up that church. Have you been doing your social action? No, just sow a seed. I've preached in another church. You know, I've preached in a few. Uh, earlier this year. And one of the pastors came up to me. And he said, do you remember, people often say this to me, do you remember when you were preaching at this same place in the centre of England, you said in the middle of your preaching, someone is now being healed from colitis. Well, I didn't remember. <laughs> he said, well, I was at the back of that hall as a unbel total unbeliever but I suffered from colitis. At the moment you said that, all my symptoms stopped and I've never had anything since. And I gave my life to Christ later that week and he's now pastoring one of our churches. See? What, what, what happened? I sowed a seed. Did I follow him up? I had no clue who got healed from colitis. There may have been 20 others who got healed from colitis and I've never heard their story. You sow a seed. That's how the kingdom's like. Another occasion. It's all right, it's just illustrating. I was preaching, and I didn't even sow it this time. There was a young man there, about 18, 19, just got saved. Just been to his, he'd not been to any charismatic meeting or anything, been taken along to that same place. And he, I was preaching. And God said to him, one day you will work amongst an unreached people group with that guy. Andy McCulloch was doing a seminar here this week. He's written what I think is probably one of the best books there is on cross-cultural mission. You, if you're doing any cross-cultural work, read it. He's planted churches in unreached peoples and he's written a book called Global Humility, which is so important now that the center of Christianity is going to the south and the east and away from the west. And yet the west still thinks it owns it. Christianity is an eastern religion. Don't forget that. See, a seed. Someone came to our town once and there was a pastor's gathering he didn't know me and he prophesied, picked me out and said, one day your ministry will affect a particular unreached part of the world. I held that in my heart. Couldn't see how, I wasn't interested in that part of the world at all up until then. And then about six years later, I took this and I said, okay, we're going to start planting churches in this part of the world. And I was in a church recently and someone, they did an interview with Scylla and myself and they said, what strategy did you have for to reach that part of the world? And I, I thought, this really stumped me, this question. And I said, I didn't have any strategy. I had obedience to a prophetic word. Does that mean I despise strategy? No. Having obeyed, we develop strategy to help people go. We teach them that when you go to a, another 
place, you must spend two years learning language and culture before you do anything else. You've got to do things that make you acceptable to the culture. Then you have a strategy, but first, it's obedience. And that's what happened. A seed was sown. I obeyed. Somehow, I don't know how. Loads of people are now working in that part of the world. This is how the kingdom of God works. This is what this parable is teaching. You with me? Right now, God is sowing seeds. The zealots of Jesus' day wanted to force the kingdom through revolution. Today, some want to force the kingdom through political action. Yes, we believe in having Christians in politics, but we're very, very clear, no political party can represent the kingdom of God. And there are parts of the world really need to know that. It doesn't come that way. Yes, we want Christians in every sector of life, therefore we pray and support Christians in politics. But we recognize as well the kingdom of God comes differently. So, at the harvest, the farmer comes active again. He says at once or immediately. Mark's favorite word. Jesus is a man of action in Mark. So at the end time harvest, Jesus will return. Everything's transformed. But there are interim harvests of individuals coming to faith and discipleship. Churches reaping the results of years of sowing. There'll be times of refreshing and revival. Then it's harvest and we get active again. Not that we've been lazy in the meantime. No concept in the New Testament of lazy farmers. They're hardworking. Paul planted. Apollos watered. We do what we do. We work hard. But in the midst of ordinary life, God gives the increase. That's what the kingdom is like, Jesus said. A seed that grows by itself. You just go to sleep and there it is. Okay. Then there's the parable of the mustard seed. Jesus then asked himself a rhetorical question. What shall I liken the kingdom to? Oh, what shall I, I just imagine Jesus, oh, it's been wonderful. Oh, what, shall I, what shall I liken the kingdom to? Oh, it's to a mustard seed, which in Jewish traditional proverbs and folklore was always used as the illustration of something very small and insignificant. Familiar picture in the culture. It's always important to use familiar pictures in the culture. And this grows into a large shrub about 10 feet high. It's an annual plant, so each year it does this. And the birds of the air. Now, birds of the air was code for the nations. Okay? They often refer to the Romans as the birds of the air. Because if you're an occupied people, you have to be very careful how you talk about your occupiers. So they had this, you know, they called the Herodians the foxes. Even Jesus said, go and tell that fox. And the birds of the air, Jesus said once, the birds of the air have somewhere to live and the foxes have holes, but we don't even belong here. But the birds of the air were the nations of the world. And the nations of the world will come. And you just plant a mustard seed. This was, a, again, a familiar proverb from the Old Testament about the kingdom of God embracing every nation. Ezekiel 17, 23. It'll become a majestic cedar sending forth its branches and producing seed. Birds of every sort will nest in it, finding shelter in the shade of its branches. Daniel 4, 12. Fresh green leaves loaded with fruit for all to eat and so on. All the world was fed from this tree. But somehow... Jesus even turns that upside down. And does, I could have understood if he said a cedar. But he just said a mustard seed. Which we can all sow mustard seeds. And yet you sow a mustard seed and the nations will be changed. Come on. The nations will be changed. The mystery of the growth of the kingdom. A baby in a manger. 
a crucified like a person, like a criminal or like a slave. And now celebrated amongst millions all over the world, the largest of world faiths still growing. What appears to be the smallest is nevertheless the greatest. In that which is hidden, the foundation of a work is laid that will encompass the whole world. One of the most insignificant beginnings, invisible to human eyes, God creates his mighty kingdom which embraces all the peoples of the world. And we have a part to play in mustard seeds in doing that. You understand? You see, I just prophesied over Venu about their, even their, what they're going for in terms of India. But even if you go for double what you're going for, it'll only be a mustard seed. Could you live in such a massive country? Still a mustard seed. That's okay. Mustard seeds, then, are God's way of doing it. And so for us, I mean, poverty is massive all over the world. What can we do? You can't relieve all the poverty of Africa or India or the Middle East, but you can plant a mustard seed and help a few. You understand? Sometimes we, we can say, well, have all this need. Even in our own cities, all this need. Do a plant a mustard seed. Just change lives that you come in touch with. We have five church plants in a Middle East city. A few people from our family of churches. What difference does that make to 18 million people? They're not even noticed, which is probably good. But the... <laughs> It's a mustard seed. It's how it grows. You know, sometimes we speak in grandiose language, or we used to. I think God's helped us. We used to talk about in our prayer meeting, I'm taking the city. No, you don't take the city, you serve the city. <laughs> Come on, drop the militaristic metaphors. You serve the city and you plant mustard seeds which grow. Serving people in predominantly unreached people groups. Yeah, come on, God's put unreached people groups on our agenda. And some of you need to go to places where the gospel has not been preached, as well as making the, planting more churches in cities which need it in this nation. But you need to go to unreached people groups. And some of, God's, there's a mustard, there's a, I'm sowing a seed now. Sowing a seed. And it's lodging in certain hearts. 20 years later, if I'm not in glory by then, you'll meet me on my walking stick and you'll say, do you remember, I'm now seeing converts in an unreached people group. Do you understand? Because some of you, God is speaking to about it right now. Others of you, he's talking to about moving into other places in this land. Some of you he's talking to about new social action ventures. Others of you are disillusioned with your job, but God is saying, I'm sowing you there. Others, God is calling into another sector because it's a sector that's not often reached. And God is saying to you, come on. And you'll be, what can I do? You can be a mustard seed smallest of all the seeds and it grows you work for a large company not many believers I didn't know how many believers there were where I worked until I resigned I wrote I wrote my resignation letter I suddenly had all sorts of sympathetic letters from other believers who'd never I'd never found them before even though some of them I travelled to other nations with and they knew I was a believer. <laughs> but you 
He said, well, not many plant a mustard seed. You're in a sector dominated by the secular agenda where you feel you have to, you feel almost you're compromising weekly, if not daily. What can you do? You're just there as a mustard seed. It's not impressive. It doesn't sound strategic. Forgive me, I'm not against strategy. I'm quite a strategist, really. But I'm trying to make a point that's important. In the arts, praise God for the arts. God loves creativity because he's a creator God. And the church should be at the forefront of supporting those involved in our churches who are involved in the arts. All arts, not only music. And it's so. So keep telling stories. Jesus used many similar stories and illustrations to teach the people as much as they could understand. People love to hear another story, even though they don't fully get it. These stories were an invitation to experience the ruling of Jesus, the kingdom, even though tantalizingly they were not fully sure what it meant. But they got attracted in. When people embark on a path of discipleship, they don't fully understand. That's fine, but encourage them to join the adventure. Stories are powerful. Tom Wright said, it will be quite Quite, it would clearly be quite wrong to see these stories as mere illustrations of truth that could in principle have been articulated in a purer, more abstract form. They were ways of breaking open the worldview of Jesus' hearers so that it could be remolded into the worldview which he, Jesus, was commending. That's why he tells stories. Stories change worldview. When we're reaching unreached peoples, we have to tell the whole story. When we're reaching oral cultures, we have to tell the Bible stories because they can't read. So you give them an oral Bible, which is the stories. And it transforms people's lives. They are not inferior to abstract principles. They are an endearing way that can change the worldview. And I hope even your worldview is being changed this morning. Because God is wanting lots of seeds to be sown even during this time. If there's a band could come back, please. Oh. <laughs> I haven't finished. <laughs> you might not like the next bit. <laughs> just, just play quietly as I minister first, okay? I'm going, to come, I'm going to throw some seeds out. God's going to do some stuff. I believe there's people here with kidney problems. Could be kidney stones. Could be other issues. God... I believe is wanting to heal you this morning. Okay, it's all right, we'll, we'll minister later. I'm just throwing them out now, just so that faith starts to grow.
even when I gave the illustration of colitis, of particularly ulcerative colitis. Even I gave that illustration of someone who was remarkably healed and came to Christ. You may be already a believer, but God threw that out as a seed. It was just a seed. I'm just giving an example. Often when I tell stories, people, the story hits them and they have faith. It's one reason we tell stories, to increase faith, even on the kidneys one. A lady was in our church and I was preaching and I had a word about kidney stones. And she'd only been, she was in her 70s and she'd only been to the church two or three times, just started coming. I didn't know, I didn't know her at all. I'm treated like a guest when I go to our church now, you know. And the, she went to the, she was having an operation for kidney stones that week. And she went for her operation and there was no stone there, even though it had been a big, massive one. And the, doc, the consultant said to her, the surgeon said, are you a person of faith? Oh, she said, yeah. I mean, she only just started coming. She said, yeah. They prayed for me in my church. He prayed in tongues. <laughs> Hallelujah. So God wanted to heal people. Seeds. church in Winchester God wants to bring spring season and you'll see new, many signs of new life will start emerging in the very near, in the near future. It may have already started. But I just felt the Holy Spirit say, tell them it's going to be springtime. Just a seed. churches here you've been great churches but it's time for a new wineskin for the mission this is not just a new wineskin for the Holy Spirit because it was previously dead it's not like that at all you need a new wineskin for the Holy Spirit of mission to be amongst you things need to be structured differently because you know sometimes we talked about the river of God as if it's something that we just flows to us and we enjoy. The river of God, according to Ezekiel 47, is what goes to the barren places of the earth. The spirit is the spirit of mission. We enjoy his presence to take his presence. Some of you need to restructure the name any of those are getting into trouble <laughs> just the seed and some of you some of you need to be ready to go to unreached peoples Others of you need to ready to go to other cities in this nation. Let's stand together, shall we? All right. Now, if you...
respond to any of those words for healing, for world mission. I believe, come on, commission is commissioned to reach the unreached people groups of this world. Those of you know, God is putting that on your heart or putting a move to somewhere else on your heart. Those of you who want healing from some of the conditions I've mentioned, and I'll enlarge the colitis one, any major ulcer ulcer problems in the stomach, long-term stomach conditions, God wants to heal you. Any of those things that I've mentioned, those to churches, you just talk about it as churches, don't worry about anything else. But uh, for those of you who respond to that, could you quickly now run to the response areas? Come on, now, quick. Off you go. Come on, quickly. I see little whispers, maybe my time's nearly up. So come on, let's go quickly. <laughs> it's all right, don't worry, I'm not. What happens, ministry team, people go over there, do they, and pray with them? Okay, just tell the ministry team person what it is you've gone for. Come on, these are seeds that God is sowing. There's gonna be amazing things happen as a result of them. Even other things I've said. I'm from faith, I've planted seeds this morning. That's all I have to do. It's a jolly easy job description, okay? Don't have to be worried about a well-rounded sermon. I just have to plant seeds. Some of you, particularly those that weren't in my seminar when we did a call for this the other day, who are in work in in a situation that's leaving you frustrated, you don't feel you can do anything for the Lord there, God would say to you, you are sowing seeds already and He wants to you to have faith that see you're gonna, that, that it's gonna be fruitful in due time. And if that's you, go to one of those areas as well, please, now. Yeah, those are the response areas. They're pretty well marked. By the way, I think that was a great idea. We had Heidi Baker with us at our festival and she called everybody forward and there was even less room than there was here. And it was glorious chaos. But you've got it well organized with response areas. Well done. enough ministry team people over there? Someone in charge? <laughs> okay, it's all right. Great. We're just, that's fine. It's all good. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. And what about all of us, all of you who haven't gone forward or gone sideways? Funny how we get the old language and we can't change it very easily. Everybody go to the side. I like that. Right now. <laughs> I feel God wants to give you seeds to sow. So I'm going to ask you to raise your hands, but not in the conventional charismatic way. I want you to catch seeds. Okay? I want you to catch seeds. The Spirit of God is going to come upon many of you as you catch them. Because, not because I'm anything special, but simply because God's given me this commission today. And I'm gonna throw, metaphorically, I'm gonna throw seeds out all over this place. And as I throw them, God will put things into your mind that you're gonna use those seeds for. And if you don't get anything immediately, don't worry. Don't say, oh God never speaks to me. Don't worry. God will show you. Oh. Yes, here we go. Here we go. Lord, throw seeds out for all these dear people in this place. 
in every block here. Lord, those right at the back, catch seeds now, seeds of the kingdom, things that you can sow where you are. Holy Spirit, anoint what you are doing right now all across this place and may people catch seeds that they can then sow into all sorts of arenas. In Jesus' name, the Holy Spirit is touching some of you powerfully. I see you at the front. God is saying to you, I'm going to use what I'm giving you now to enable amazing works of the kingdom to take place. Come on, we're all those doing the works of the kingdom. And the Holy Spirit is just enabling us and equipping us and working amongst us so that you can you can sow seeds in whatever context you are. Mick, I've not seen the Holy Spirit on you like I can see him at the moment. Oh, it's almost as if there's a there's a it's a fresh season for you. And there's things you've always done, but God's saying there's going to be new things that you do. Father, I pray. I pray for all those at the side who've been called to work in unreached people groups. Oh God, I pray as this seed is sown, Lord, I pray help them to work out where and when. It may be a long time away for some. It may be very quickly for others. God, work that out as they work that out in their local churches. Father, I pray. I pray for those who are responding on the calls of healing. I pray heal stomachs, heal in Jesus' name, heal colitis, heal kidneys, do remarkable things, touch people's bodies, touch people who haven't, who it doesn't relate, don't relate to any of those things, but right across this place as seeds are sown out. Lord, I pray, let healing come right across this place in the name of Jesus. God wants to increase our vision. So glad we sang that song in the worship earlier. Lord, I look to you. Give me vision. Sometimes we sing that and yeah, we love it, but I believe God is wanting to very, very demonstrably give you kingdom vision during this time that comes from Him. I love this song. It's one of my favorites of the modern songs. And I just, and it then returns in worship to Him. Let's, I pray, Lord, give them vision. Give them vision to see the possibilities of what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Carry on crying.